Hey everyone, did you think it was gonna be different? Well, so did I. What I've learned is that I'm not your typical daughter, mom, ex-wife, business owner, or maybe I am, but I just don't know it because no one talks about it. We are all too busy with a bunch of different balls in the air to take time to process, well, just about anything. But that is all gonna change with this tribe. Ladies, I'm one of you. I've been there and done that. And we don't need to go through it alone. Will we be practical? Yep. Will we be goofy? Absolutely. Will we swear? You bet your sweet ass. By the way, little secret, this is not going to be the podcast you want to listen to in the van with your kids. So ladies, slip on your heels because we all feel more powerful in heels. Grab your wine because it's five o'clock somewhere. And let's dive into Not Your 1950s Housewife with me, Gina Seminary. Everybody, happy Thursday. Welcome back to the Not Your 1950s Housewife podcast. And I am excited to have one of my close friends, Johanna Reynolds. Everybody listen to this, okay? She's a singer-songwriter, a composer, a music educator, and aspiring author. Craves authenticity in her work and life and strives to find beauty in the ordinary. As an artist, she loves crafting lyrics and melodies that make her audience think more about the little things. As an educator, she loves pushing her students to think outside the box and look at the bigger picture and challenge them to add something to the last, lasting tapestry of their artistic value. Welcome, Johanna. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I am so glad that we're here doing this in the comfort of our own homes while we're enjoying a glass or a bottle of something fun. <laughs> yeah. Yes, right. Definitely have a glass of something fun with me. Yeah. I don't know. I was just talking to you about what I'm drinking. It's not that much fun. Well, um, you might need to get a second one. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who um, like the Genesee Brewing Company here in Rochester, I am not a huge fan of the Cream Ale Lemon Strawberry. It was just a random pick out of my fridge. I expected more. Um, so we might have to switch that up a little bit, (laughs) but so as I read that first line of what you do, I'm amazed at all of this. Um, so let's first take a step back before we talk about all of those things. Um, those are what you do in your professional life, but you are also a mom and a wife, correct? I am. Yes. So I've been married, um, since 2005. To my husband Preston and we've got two kids Jenna and Porter and Jenna is um, almost 13 she'll be 13 next month which is crazy wow and then Porter turned 10 in December so that's where you spend the rest of your time yeah yeah so um, I I'm lucky enough with my job um, it's different every semester but um, uh, I don't have to be at work every day. There have been some semesters when I've worked five days, but um, most of the time I can drop the kids at school and pick them up from school. Um, so I, I split my time pretty well. I like to be, I like to be with the kids. So. so you're talking about that music educator part of your biography that I read. The music educator part, yeah. So I've been teaching at Finger Lakes Community College um, in Canadagua for, uh, since August of 2009. I started there and um, 
I teach uh, close to a full-time load, but I'm still considered a, an adjunct faculty member. So um, starting off, um, I actually started the semester I was pregnant with Porter just before he was born. And I worked three days a week um, right until the kids went to school. And then, you know, as, as they got a little more independent, I added, um, you know, another day to my schedule. But it's been such a wonderful balance of being able to do what I love to do and kind of give and pour myself out to my students, but also be home with the kids. So, yeah, it's hard to find careers that allow you to be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, really like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I complain and I've complained before that I'm really ready for a full-time job. I'm ready for more. And you've heard that um, from me yep. a little bit, just because I have so many more things that I want to do um, professionally. But I said, uh, you know, for the first, uh, I think Jenna was seven and Porter was probably five when he went to kindergarten. And I just, I would, anybody who asked me, I am so fortunate that I'm, I'm able to work this much, but I'm able to be home this much you know it's it was it was a really fortuitous event that I found that job when I did yeah that's so before that what were you doing um so right up until I was actually finishing my degree um my bachelor's um right up until the time like I think I finished my coursework the December of uh that year just prior to um uh, to getting that job. So um, I had taken the long path through school, um, mostly because I was paying for it myself. And when I started in a major, if I knew it wasn't the right thing for me, I stopped because I wasn't going to spend a penny of my money on something that I was like, this is not the right thing. Oh my gosh. So, what major did you start with? Oh gosh. So um, I'll try and give you, <laughs> take, a, take us through the paths of majors. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll try and give, you know, the abridged version. So, oh no. <laughs> um, well, so I went to five different schools for my undergrad. Um, partially, so my mom worked at Cuca College, um, which is in, you know, Cuca Park, New York on Cuca Lake. And she worked there for 15 years. And so at that point, it, you know, they still had the tuition exchange program. And so tuition was free for me. So obviously that was like the, the best choice for freshman year. Let's go, let's get some gen eds out of the way. Coursework is free. I commuted, so I didn't have any um, expenses really other than books uh, for the first year. The second year, they made me choose a major. And um, I, uh, they didn't have a music major. And at that point, I still wasn't sure that music was right for me, but um, I, I chose English with a, uh, an emphasis in literature and poetry. And, um, and I made it through October <laughs> of that school year that started in okay. August. And dropped. I was going to say, hi, you didn't start too long. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I dropped out. I, I, I was, it was awful. I was, I said, this is not, you know, I was reading 1200 pages a week of literature and it just wasn't the right thing. I love, I mean, I loved the poetry and I loved the, the storytelling aspect of it, but there were, I just knew it wasn't right. So I dropped out, uh, worked 80 hours a week uh, to make a bunch of money. I transferred to a school in Indiana as a music education major, which if you're not familiar with the field of music, 
Um, music education is a kindergarten through 12th grade certification. So unlike other teachers where you can choose like, you know, secondary education, music, you have to do a K through 12 placement. And I knew right away that the K through six placement was not my thing. Uh, I have gotten better at it the older I've gotten. And of course, having my own kids, but um, it's, it's not, it doesn't come naturally to me. So I did that for a year and said, this is not the right thing. And I didn't want to just do a performance degree. Um, so I stopped. I uh, had another life, <laughs> moved to Chicago, um, took a year off. I moved back home and um, I worked for a year. I paid off my loans from my school in Indiana and then uh, transferred. I did a songwriting program in Memphis. Yeah, you did. Yay. <laughs> Um, yes, I did. I did that. So we, I took 42 credit hours in nine months, which is insane. Um, you know, it's 21 credit hours a semester, which wow. is a lot. Um, graduated salutatorian from that. Then I transferred to Finger Lakes Community College um, like a year after that. Uh, did the music and music recording technology programs. Um, got married in between my first and second year there. Finished that degree. Uh, then went on and did my, uh, finished my bachelor's with Empire State College in a low residency program um, because I had already had Jenna at that point by the time um, that all started. So low residency was amazing. It was a lot of independent study, a lot of um, uh, corresponding with my professors, but you know, I could be a mom, I could take care of her. And then when she was asleep, I'd pick up my books, I'd write my papers, I'd do all the work and I'd submit it. So that took um, about a year for me to do the coursework to finish that off. And then, <clears throat> so I, I officially graduated in June of 2009, but I was done with my coursework in December of 08. So that was just for, just for my bachelor's. So and that's the short version, maybe. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, you know, all of that said, um, I, loved, I loved school. There was never a moment when I was in the program and was regretting learning things. Um, it just made it very clear to me exactly what I should be doing. Um, you know, I think if you ask a lot of people, well, what do you, what do you want to do? And I think people have a hard time coming up with the answer of officially what they want to do. But if you can narrow it down by, okay, well, what don't you want to do? I think we have a, a stronger reaction to, well, I know I can't do that. And I know I don't want to do this. That can sort of help you narrow down really, you know, where you should be. And, you know, I counsel a lot of my college students. Um, you know, they'll say, well, what do I do about this and this and this? And the only thing I can say to them is sometimes you don't know what the right answer is, but you know what the wrong answer is. Right. And, and, and I think in life, a lot of times, you know, I, I think we're always just looking for the thing that like sparks our interest, but I don't know that that's the, always, at least for me, the way that I stumbled on those things. Um, well, and I commend you too, for not just sticking with a program, even though you knew it wasn't what you wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely hard because I had, um, you know, my friends from high school when we graduated, I feel like with very little exception, they all graduated, went and finished in four years, had jobs sort of right out of the gate. And of course, this is me looking at it from, you know, 
afar. It just was like, I was the one that was sort of, I felt like the screw up. Like, oh, I still don't have the degree. I still don't have the full-time job. I still don't have this. But <clears throat> I also know that I got to do some really cool and kind of crazy things um, in the meantime, <laughs> you know, like, and I, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I feel like the path that you took is helping you to be better at what you know you want to do now, right? Like singer, songwriter, composer, aspiring author, right? Like I'm sure those two months in that English literary, whatever the heck you decided to try. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I'm sure there's some element of that, that you may remember, or that had helped you towards, you know, the songwriter aspect of things, right? Yeah. Or, you know, like you said, your, your trip, you know, down to Memphis with that program helped you kind of get you to where you are, right? There's, I think there's all these little elements of things that kind of you picked up along the way. Yeah. You know, and I think, um, I don't know. I think there's a huge conversation right now um, about what they're calling the gap year. Mm. Um, and I yeah. don't know if you've, if you've read anything about that, um, but I have. Is that the year where you take off between, like my perspective, you take off between like graduating high school and starting college to find yourself? I'm air quoting. Yes. Okay. Um, you know, I think I, I wouldn't say I had a gap year. That was never the intention. For me, it was always like, oh, crap, now I have to work to pay off the stuff that I just did so that I can do the next thing, mm -hmm. um, you know, because I, I knew that I wanted to graduate and I knew like I had a goal in mind. Um, I just knew that it needed to be the right thing. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of there's I think there's a lot of debate about, you know, well, you need to finish what you started and sort of, I mean, I don't know if I, if one of my kids decided to do what I did, if I could stand by and watch them do that. Cause I'm sure from like a parent's perspective, that's terrible, know. you know? Um, but I also know that I knew that it wasn't right. Um, and I couldn't, like, I just couldn't push myself to do it. Um, that being said, you know, my GPA, of course, I had all those withdrawals on my transcript, but, you know, my GPA in all my major classes was a 4.0 always. Like, when I knew it was the right thing, I was all in. Um, so, you know, I think that was when people saw that side of it, it's like, okay, that, that makes sense because now she's doing what she's supposed to be doing. Um, you know, and, and I would say, like, there were really funny things along the way that sort of happened. Like, I didn't necessarily know that I wanted to be a professor uh, for college, but I had written this paper that I turned in um, to uh, for in this 20th century composition class to my advisor at the time. And he was reading the paper. We met one-on-one -on -one to sort of go through it. And he kind of looked at, he stopped reading the paper and he looked up at me and he goes, have you ever thought about teaching college? I sort of, you know, I remember sort of looking back and forth in the room, not that there was anybody else there, but is that a thing that you, you can just decide you want to teach college, you know? Um, and, and then, so that would have been maybe in April of 2008. And he's the one that offered me the position in August of 2009. So, um, you know, it was little comments like that that sort of helped direct me to the right thing. Because I always knew that I wanted to teach in some capacity. I, that was always very, 
evident to me. I was kind of a natural teacher. Um, but you know, when you ask people, little kids, well, I want to be a teacher. Well, do you want to teach college? I, I didn't, it was never like a conversation piece. Hmm. See, and I think it's interesting too, because you kind of navigated and figured your way there, but there are so many other facets to you too, though, right? Because, right, like I'm aware of a yeah. book that you just recently wrote, which we're going to talk about shortly that yeah. ties yeah. in with Christmas, but, but I've also heard you sing and like pull phenomenal songs out of thin air, right? So how does one learn that, well, there's two questions, like, I would love to be able to do this, right? So there's, even my daughter has been like, I want to be able to do that, right? So there's the people like my daughter and I who are like, I want to be able to. And then there's people like you who are like, yeah, I can do it, right? Um, how does one figure out that they can do it um, and then actually go ahead and start writing songs? And not only do you write the song, like you apply, you write the music to it too. So you're not just writing the lyrics, you're also writing the music. Yeah. And like the last time I saw you do this, it took you like 30 minutes. Yeah. So- <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, how does that happen? <laughs> okay, so um, the songwriting portion is, I, I mean. Do you think in lyrics? Like, do you think in song? I, I think, I think in lyrics very often. And um, my husband has said to me, you know, over the years, he's like, it's not fair that he goes, you're so good with words. So like when we fight, I'm so articulate. Um, you know, and he can't come back with a response because he his brain just doesn't function like that. So he's like, it's not fair. Um, cause it, you know, he feels like I always have the, the upper hand, which maybe, uh, you know, that is what it is. And the next time you argue, just add some music to it and sing it to him. And that'll really piss him off. <laughs> sing it to him. But yeah, maybe that'll help. Um, you know, but the songwriting thing, I would say, um, I always loved music and I was, I, I taught myself to play piano. Um, and then, and then my mom kind of realized that I really loved it. And, um, we, uh, we figured out, she bought me a, a year worth of piano lessons. She paid for those mm -hmm. up front and gave me the, uh, for Christmas one year. And then because we were, we were pretty poor growing up, um, I actually bartered uh, babysitting in exchange for piano lessons. So I actually watched my teacher's uh, children in exchange for piano lessons pretty much all the way through high school. Um, so, but I, and I mean, I don't think I missed a lesson ever. I just, I loved it and I just couldn't get enough of it. So there was a point where, um, kind of maybe my senior year in high school, I did not start writing music uh, then, but there was a point when I really sort of started love, I loved to sing and play at the same time. Um, and I, if, you know, I think at that point we were probably singing Mariah Carey songs and Amy. Because everybody can just sing her. <laughs> right, well, I mean, but we, we were trying, right? I mean, I, you know, I don't have her range whatsoever, but, you know, so I was trying to like figure that, out and then um i had met a friend who his family was musicians and at one point he goes hey joe you can write songs right and i was like i don't know he goes well what if you did this and so he sort of planted that seed of well what if and that's that's a really common theme for me um sort of just creatively across the board is 
people, very important people and figures in my life at very important points just said to me, but what if you tried this? And I was like, oh man, gosh, I don't know. Let me see. So I did start writing um, before I went to Taylor University, which was my second college. And while I was there, I started writing more and I sort of joined a band. Uh, there were just three of us. And we, got, we actually opened for a, an artist whose name is Bebo Norman, um, who was a really prolific songwriter. And so it was really then that I really said, oh my gosh, this is, I think this is what I want to do. And so I, I became enthralled with all of these independent singer-songwriters as independent singer-songwriters was sort of becoming a thing as labels were sort of phasing out and artists were starting, just starting to release their own music. Um, I, I was gravitating to single uh, solo artists who were writing really compelling lyrics. And that's really when I started to go, oh, what if? And so for me, it started with um, some really bad songs that you would not want to hear. Um, and then, it, and then I, I remember when I played my first song for my mom, she really liked it, but she goes, are you sure the melody's yours? Which of course is like, oh my gosh, did I rip right. this off from somebody? You know, I think all of us in that beginning phase were like, oh man, this was... I'm, this has got to be somebody else's. I heard this right. once and now I'm just sort of repeating it. Um, and, and I've actually come to find as I, you know, and now I've been writing songs for 20 years, um, that the good ones are the ones where you go, have I heard this before? But you say it to yourself while you're making it and you go, I feel like I've heard this before. And to me, all of my best songs are the ones that I'm, I've have sort of connected with at another internal moment, if that makes any sense. Um, those are the ones that sort of stick around and, and sort of last. So how do you do it? Uh, I mean, I would say you sit down and you say, okay, today I'm going to write a song and you put words on a page. Um, and then you try and put chords underneath it. I mean, it's really like, yeah no okay um so do you feel like maybe the songs that are the best for you that you were saying you know the ones that resonate the most with you that you feel as though you've heard them before do you feel like you've heard them before because they've been in your mind for so long um so I, are you familiar with elizabeth gilbert okay so yes. she wrote a book called wasn't she eat pray, yes, love? eat pray love but she also wrote this book called big magic and if you haven't read it, um, I, think, I think you'll be uh, infatuated with it. I my copy is, I think every other page is dog-eared and I've highlighted and I've devoured that. Um, and basically she talks about sort of the creative mind, the creative life um, is always sort of connecting us with things outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. and. Um, and so I think the songs that resonate are just confirmation from the outside that this is the right thing for you right now. And I know that sounds really sort of vague and a little obscure, um, 
but it is sort of that moment where you're, you step outside of yourself and you get, you're getting confirmation from the universe, essentially, that, okay, this is the moment that you needed to be in to make this moment happen. And um, I read another book. Um, I'm actually in, still in the process. It's uh, about 800 pages, but it's a, it's a book called Songwriters on Songwriting. And it's a, um, a collection of interviews with 63 different songwriters um, or, uh, put together by a guy named Paul Zolo, Z-O-L-L-O. And it, he interviews Alanis Morissette, Paul Simon, uh, Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, um, uh, Sammy Kane, who wrote 90 songs for Frank Sinatra, like a huge spectrum of songwriters. And, um, and, and asks them, you know, only to talk about songwriting and every single one of them, I'm about halfway through it. Every single one of them says, you know, there's this moment when you're writing a song where it's sort of magic and you've picked up the pencil and you've put the pencil to the paper or you've picked up the instrument and you've, you've stepped into the room, so to speak. And then the universe steps into the room and then the song happens without exception every single one of them talks about sort of that moment of it's bigger than you as a human can really explain which is really affirming to know that you know a housewife who also writes songs feels the same about the creative process as paul simon or tom petty or madonna or any of these huge successes all say yeah it you just you pick up the pencil and you ask the universe to meet you there and for the great songs that's what happens yeah but that's where i think you separate yourself um because you mentioned while you were talking about some of the artists in the book and i don't remember who but you were like oh someone who wrote songs for frank sinatra right there's a difference between people who can per, like sing it and those that actually write it, right? Yeah. So what's it called when you have like someone who writes your stuff, but some, like Sarah Bareilles did it for the longest time where yeah. she wrote music and other people sang it. What is that? Is that, it's not called a ghostwriter, is it? Um, yeah, I mean, if you're, yes, that would be like a ghostwriter. Or, I mean, there are some people who are, um, you know, they're writing, but not trying to hide behind it. You know, like I'm gonna, you know, Sarah Bareilles wants to write a song for, I don't know, Jennifer Lopez or something. You, you don't have to be a ghostwriter, but um, a lot of times that's sort of that secret door in big music that that, right. you know, that that happens. Right, so to me, that makes me think that, okay, they can write music, but they don't have a good voice or they can't, like they can, they can write and compose, but they can't sing it, right? So yeah, you're doing both. <laughs> I, I mean, I've heard, you, I've heard you sing. It's phenomenal. I mean, your oh, stuff on Spotify, you. right? I mean, you you've got a few different albums out there, right? Like you can, you're doing both, which is, I find, I don't feel like a lot of people do. Like I've even thinking, like, I feel like I remember hearing that Taylor Swift doesn't, or does she? Is she like one of the only ones that does write her own song, whereas most people don't? Oh yeah, she, she, she does write her own stuff, yep. But most people don't, is that correct? Um, well. Like generally possibly, possibly. I mean, so I'm going to say that's probably, genre specific oh. um i would say a lot of pop artists no are not country their own it's stuff. always their own stuff <laughs> um, yeah country a lot of yes a lot of them are writing their own stuff you know but 
for me, it was, um, I had stories that I wanted to tell and, um, and it's really hard to get your songs in somebody else's hands to have them sing it. And I just felt like I had better control over the results. I mean, early on, um, if I did it myself. Um, but it was, you know, for me, songwriting is, is an intensely personal experience. A lot of my songs are autobiographical. Not all of them, but, you know, a lot of them are just me sort of explaining life the way I see it. And what better way to explain life the way that I, I see it than to also sing it yeah, myself. Yeah, you've got a killer voice, so have to. <laughs> well, I remember that one day when I picked up my sister, my daughter from somewhere, and I was like, you know my friend Johanna, right? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, hit play. And you had just sent us like your recording of whatever you just ripped off, mm -hmm. you know, in 20 minutes. And Gianna goes, are you serious? I go, yeah, like that just happened. Um, and she goes, I want to do that. And I was like, okay. I'm like, I don't even well, know how to like help you build that skill, but we'll figure that one out. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, certainly when I was in the songwriting program in Memphis, you know, writing a song for was homework five days a week. It was like, okay, go home and write me a song about this and go home and write me a song about that. And so sometimes and, and Sammy Kane, uh, the, the Frank Sinatra's big songwriter, uh, was one that said, you know what, you treat songs like it's work. You sit down and you say, I need to write a song about the sun. And you write a song about the sun. And, and then, you, you know, that's just what you do from eight to five. Um, you know, I would say most artists who are writing for themselves aren't just looking at it like that. We are looking for a little bit of that moment of inspiration. But I would say without exception, if you want to start writing your own songs, you have to start with, okay, um, I'm going to write a song about a blue, uh, you know, a blue moon uh, or a, a, you know, a vacuum cleaner or a dresser. Like, <laughs> I, I would, that would be my song. It'd all be about the beer blue moon. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, you know, and then there, you just have to come up with words to describe it. So one of my favorite, you know, tips and tricks is like, take out all of the little words. So if you say the moon is blue, isn't it more powerful to get rid of the and is, and you can just simply shorten, make it short and sweet and dense. So just say blue moon or uh, blue moonlight or, um, Moonlight Blue is even more sort of evocative and suggestive of, you know, some, a place, um, mm. you know, so get rid of all the little words, the thes, the is, the ands, the, you know, all that sort of busy stuff that your English teacher wouldn't even want to read mm -hmm. in a sentence. Pick the powerful words and stick with those to start. You can always go in and add your conjunctions, right? The things that connect all your ideas, but um, start with the meat and then you can add in all the other stuff. So uh, pick a topic and just see what you can free write about that topic for five minutes and then, you know, I, see where it leads you. It takes me that long to start like thinking about even what I want to say. I'm your, I'm your <laughs> husband in this relationship. <laughs> 
yes, yes, yes. But you know, I, with songwriting, you have to, you have to get out of your way. You have to get out of your own way. So you can't think too much about it. So, so many times we're like, oh, but it needs to be perfect the first time. No, get, uh, it's what I call blank page syndrome. You've got to get something on the page to get started. Um, so even if you write down uh, words you don't want to use, um, and one of my favorite songwriters, you know, that's an exercise that she shared uh, on her Instagram feed a couple months ago, like, hey, I need to write the song about Christmas, but I don't want it to include, you know, mistletoe and holly and twinkling and like she had a whole category of words that she was not going to let herself use okay so you know so again sometimes you don't know what you want to say but you can start with what you know you shouldn't say or what you don't want to say in regards to a topic but you've got to get something on the page get rid of the blank page syndrome and for me that goes for both composition as well as songwriting right so i consider composition anything that i'm doing for anybody outside of myself Um, uh, and so like right now I'm working on a choral piece. I was asked to write for a local chorus. That's like 50, um, singers, adult singers, and they wanted the piece to be about, uh, the beauty of the Finger Lakes. And I have, um, I spent hours at the public library, um, in January, I dropped the kids at school before I went back to work, uh, before my semester started. And I went and I grabbed all the Mary Oliver poetry books that I could and sat and I have 10 pages of lyrics and poetry. And all of it was how I would describe it, how I would sing it. And I needed to sort of separate out what I would say as a solo artist to what is maybe more appropriate for 50 people to say at once. Um, and so I, I drafted and drafted and drafted and drafted, and then, um, was really feeling sort of stuck and then came up with one line, uh, that sort of led me to the rest of the song. And it's about 95% done right now. I'm sort of cleaning it all up before I send it off to them. But, uh, that one line was, uh, it's about the moon, ironically, um, and the moon slips over the treetops was sort of where I started with all of this um, for that, for that whole piece. And it's about a five minute long piece, but it all sort of came from that one line. Um, But I had to sort of differentiate, you know, what I might sing in a song if it was just me singing it versus what I felt 50 other people would want to sing. Yeah. So you're not only doing obviously the words, you're also doing how many different parts? Um, so for this one, it's four parts. So soprano, alto, tenor, bass, plus uh-huh. a piano part. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who, who doesn't just do that? That's crazy. Um, it's been a really, really, that project has been really fun. Um, and I'm really excited to sort of hear them perform it. So, um, initially it, uh, the, the, um, premiere of that piece was going to be at their June concert. Um, but in light of, uh, the pandemic, um, I, it'll probably hold off until their December performance, but I want to be there. Um, I told you this when I heard about this, I was like, I'm, I'm like, I don't care yeah. what I need to move. I don't care how many sitters I need to get. I'm making it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, it should be, um, you know, it's a, it's, 
I've written pieces for other people when I, and I play the piano for them, or, you know, I'm somehow involved in the performance of it. Um, it is a totally different experience to write music and have no responsibility in the performance of it. Um, it really shows like my type A, you know, I like I'm a Virgo, I, I'm not a control freak, but I am recovering <laughs> control freak. Um, I try. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, to, I, I always want to give another piano player a part that I would love to play like, Oh, this feels so good to play. I want to make sure that they feel the same way. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a, it's a challenge for sure. Um, but it's, it's also really fun to just be able to go and sit down and say, okay, play, you know, play me my song. I'm really excited. So, yeah. I know You've, you're going to have, I'm going to have chills. I have chills thinking about it now. <laughs> I'm not even hearing it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I am, um, especially with compositions, I do this with songs a lot too, but I have a really great network of colleagues from, um, my grad program and we all stay in touch. Um, and so, you know, I, I tend to write, like I wrote a, a chamber piece for, um, just for instruments. Uh, and I sent it to one of my friends and I said, you know, he's an a, amazing proofreader, you know, and so I just sent off this choral work to, um, a really great choral writer, uh, last week. And she gave me, you know, just a couple kind of cleanup editing things, um, just because sometimes you get, and I, I think we all in our professional lives, we get so into seeing what we want to see in whatever we're working on. You know, you need a, you need a fresh pair of eyes to sort of look it over. So, um, she sent me a few things to clean up, um, just to make it easier for the performers to sort of read and understand what's on the page. And then, um, and then I, I mean, I think it'll be done, um, unless I kind of have a creative panic and go, Oh, I need right. to change this, but oh. it's, it's feeling pretty settled. So now I know we've been talking a lot about the music. I want to pivot off. Of everybody knows that you've got a website, which is your name, Johanna Reynolds.com. <laughs> and right now you're letting anybody get 50% off with the code spring 20. So if there's any album on there that you guys want, hop on the website, Johanna Reynolds.com. And when you are logging out or, you know, signing out with your cart, don't forget the code spring 20 to get 50% off any album. Um, yeah, so I've got um, I've got uh, four albums out. Uh, my first one I released in two thousand and fourteen. Um, I released the second one in sixteen, and then I released um, the third one, "Water Meets the Shore," in um, February of eighteen. And then we did a Christmas album that year as well that I, we released in December of 18, but I also, we remixed and remastered the Christmas album. Uh, so we re-released it, um, in 2019. So technically there's five albums on there, but, um, the Christmas, uh, 2019 album has a bonus track on it. That's not on the 2018 one. So, and they're awesome. Um, they're awesome. And then oh, thank you. I spent, thank you. you know, a better part of my Christmas holiday sharing your latest book that you wrote, which is adorable. Yeah. And we don't have a ton of time, but I want to make sure we Thank pause you. for a minute and talk about this. Um, tell everybody your book okay. and tell everybody the premise behind it because I love it. 
Okay. So uh, the book is called Two Cups of Milk. And it's uh, really the story of Mrs. Claus. Uh, it's Christmas from her perspective. So um, I was sitting, uh, I, you know, it was December. And I think I wrote this in, in maybe December of 2017. I think it's that old. Um, and I really was um, running around. I've got a kid with a December birthday. So December is nuts for us. And it's concert season as a musician, which is crazy. And anyway, I was doing all of the things, the wrapping and the shopping and the gifting and the teachers and the all, all of that stuff. And I just went, but wait a second. Mrs. Claus never gets any recognition for anything. And so I pulled over on Main Street in Canandaigua, pulled into a parking spot in front of True Willie. I'm not even kidding. And I pulled out my phone and I wrote this whole book into my notepad on my phone and did this whole little thing. It, it was edited a couple of times um, to sort of, you know, kind of complete and round out the story. Um, but it, I just really felt like it was time for us why don't we know her? Why don't we know what she does? And the fact that she actually does far more than we have ever recognized. Um, so that's where that it is came such from. such a good book too. I, I remember I read it to my kids and they were like, oh, and of course I like have tears in my eyes. And then I sent it to my sister to read to her kids. Like, it's just awesome. And of course at Christmas, on Christmas Eve, we did put out two cups of milk. So everybody's going to have to, how can people get a hold of that? Okay, so um, right now, yes. I know you're working on like a hard copy because it's not like you can't go get it yet. No, so it has not, it's not published and I don't have print copies yet. I am working very hard on, uh, I, I actually just hired an illustrator. Um, who's not my daughter, who's like, mom, I will, I will draw the pictures for this. I was like, I'm, I'll let Joanna know, but I'll let you know if she wants your skills. <laughs> It was, it was so sweet when she sent me that picture. It was awesome. Um, yeah, she's like, I've got the cover, mom. I've got the cover. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so uh, one of my friends and I at work were talking about, do you remember when we were kids? And, you know, not to give my age away, but I'll be 40 this year, so I, I don't really care. But um, when you were a little kid and you pull out the records and you'd sit in your room and you'd listen to the records and you'd listen to these books over and over and over again, that's such a nostalgic memory for myself and for my colleague. And so we actually went through and uh, we did an audio book of this. So that is available on my web website. You can download that at johannareynolds.com. And, uh, and then I also put together, like I did a digital movie of it. So you can sort of follow along uh, with the audio book. So you can download just the audio, like if you're in the car and you want something to listen uh, uh, with your kids or whatever, but then you can also get the, the digital movie that's got the audio link to so it. So you're trying to get a book um, move in or no? Yes. So I hired an illustrator two weeks ago. And uh, from what I understand, all of the illustrations will be done and, you know, we should be, we should be ready to print. So we've got um, hard covers, uh, hard copies in for the fall. So it'll be ready to go for this yes. Christmas season. Yeah. Yes. I have yeah. so many people I want to give it to. <laughs> and I just think, you know, it's so, it's just such a fun tradition changing idea. 
that let's not just put out one cup of milk, let's put out two. And I don't want to give the whole book away, but. No, 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 no. And I'm glad you didn't because it's so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I am so glad we've chatted and I know we've talked about bits and pieces of this and I told you this before and I'm going to tell you again now so everybody can hear it. I really, really, really want to write a song. Okay. We'll have Um, to do, we can do, let's do a podcast and you write a song. While I'm recording? Yes. Jesus, you just like kicked it up a notch. Like I'm already, I, now I have like no blood in my face. I'm nervous. (laughs) But we can, but we can do it. Uh, when we're, when they're in the same room together, we'll do it together. And I'm just going to hit record and people can just listen. Yeah. You're crazy. That's why I love you. (laughs) (laughs) But that's why, you know, that day that I sent you that song, like I just, you know, sometimes ideas come and they're, they kind of come fast and furious and you just have to go with it. And, you know, I give myself 30 minutes and sort of see what happens and what's, you know, sort of spills out and, and moves around. But, um, my God, I think that's a great, as long as you're probing me, yes, I will. Like, like, give me something, then maybe I can roll with it. This will be hysterical and I'm already nervous about it, but it'll be amazing. (laughs) I hope so. We'll let the audience judge. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to chat with us. Oh my gosh, it was so good to, to chat with you and I can't wait to see you again. And uh, I know, I know. We- and like I told everybody, we've got Johanna's website, right? Yes. Um, but you can also get her on Instagram and Twitter. The good news is, is it's still the same handle on both of them. So it's Johanna, J-O-H-A-N-N-A-H-B-R-E-Y. Yeah. Um, so Johanna so, B. Ray, short for Reynolds. So yeah. There you go. You got them up for both Instagram and Twitter. Um, and she puts some great, great things out there. Great pictures. You live on the lake. So we get some awesome lake shots. So um, follow her on Instagram. And thanks so much, Johanna. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. And I can't wait to hear your next song. <laughs> Next, you make it sound like I've done more than one. I mean, I sound great in the shower, but I don't know about my island. (laughs) All right, I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, Tribe. Thanks for tuning in today. I hoped you loved these few minutes you got to separate from your tactical life to do something for yourself. Of course, we're on iTunes, but Instagram is our place of choice. Follow us there, listen to past episodes, or DM me at Gina Seminary. Make sure you kick some ass today. Love ya.